Well, today we end our series uh, on the family as we've been preaching about the happy family. We ended today. I was really looking forward about preaching uh, this message last week as we had the kids in here and uh, we're talking about discipline. And so I was really excited about starting by asking the kids, what do they thought when I said the word discipline? Because I was really excited about watching parents squirm as I was going to take the mic to kids and let kids tell me what they thought about discipline. You think that could have been fun? I see some of your parents thinking like, well, I'm glad that didn't happen, right? Because think about it. When you, when you hear the word discipline, what, what's your immediate thoughts? Is, I'll just ask you this. Is it positive or negative? Negative, right? I mean, we have this negative idea about discipline. And so the children obviously would have had negative ideas. Uh, they might have had some negative examples. I don't know. Uh, like I said, that's where the fun part could have come in. Uh, but either way, we think of it negatively. We typically think of the word discipline uh, negatively because what we'll uh, do is this. We often associate discipline with punishment. But I want us this morning to change our thinking because ultimately, hear me when I say this, discipline is not equal to punishment. The Apostle Paul gave us a good image to help us understand what discipline is when he wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I, what does he say? But I do what? I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You see, Paul begins to point to the image of an athlete here who trains for what he or she is competing in. He started with the idea of runner, but then more generically just talked about an athlete. But these athletes exercise self-control in all things in order to run the race properly with the goal of winning the race. He takes this image and turns it to his life and the way he lives and speaks about disciplining his body. In other words, to train himself in order that he might live life in a way where he ultimately wins. And I'm going to say this, ultimately, that he wins in the eyes of God. Now, what that passage does for us is help turn our minds to think of discipline differently. It is not about punishment, but it is truly about training, training our lives in a healthy way. When it comes to parents and children, it is parents training their kids to live life properly. In fact, keeping this thought in mind, I, I want us to turn this morning to our main passage of Scripture, which is Hebrews 12. This is one of the more extensive passages dealing with discipline, and it will truly give us some great insight on how we can have happy discipline in our families. In fact, this passage shows us the next point we need to see about discipline, because not only is discipline not punishment, but discipline is an act of love. Look at what we read in Hebrews 12, beginning verse 5, and he says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. If you read this passage carefully, what is clear is that discipline is at the heart of what is being addressed. However, more than that is the fact that discipline is being addressed in light of the reality that those that the Lord disciplines are those who are his children. In fact, think about that for a moment. That is a radical thought. 
It's amazing to think that the God who created this world and all that's in it wants to have such an intimate relationship with his creation that he wants to call us his sons and his daughters. Isn't that incredible? Think about this. God doesn't want to relate to you as an impersonal, divine, distant being, some God that's out there somewhere. No, God, listen, God wants to call you his son, his daughter. He wants to interact with you like a father and his child. Consequently, when he disciplines according to this passage, it is an act of love. As I said earlier, we often think of discipline as punishment and something negative, but it's really not if it is viewed and handled appropriately. Think about even this. If you have a young child who is not yet able to communicate fully, and that child is in the kitchen and you're cooking, and that young child takes their hand and reaches that hand towards the hot burner, and you reach over and you smack that hand and say, no, you tell me, is that an act of hate? No, it's actually an act of wiles today. But God's Word says this in Proverbs 13, 24. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, unfortunately, some people have misapplied this verse and become abusive with their children. And therefore, in our society today, spankings have become a taboo. However used appropriately, they can be an act of love. The problem, even for many who use spanking, is they misuse them and they fail to understand their appropriate use. I maintain this, that if one uses them appropriately, then you don't have to use them often. In fact, when I look back at raising my kids, the times that we actually had to spank them were very few, and mostly when they were too young to be positively affected by any other action. And did you notice, though, in this verse in Proverbs that the one who loves the child is diligent to discipline the child? Diligence is, a, is key because it's not just haphazardly, and it's not just frequently using spankings. Spanking should be used for very specific actions, namely willful and malicious disobedience. And as I've been alluding to very sparingly, I'll say this. If spankings is the common go-to in your house, then you have misunderstood its purpose, all right? You've completely misunderstood its purpose. A couple of things I even need to mention here is this. To understand that discipline should never be an act of anger. Too many parents spank or administer punishment in moments of anger. Their children or their child has done something that upset them or angers them, and so they respond rashly. A spanking that is done in anger is wrong. A punishment handed down in a moment of anger is wrong, and they are not disciplined. I know for me, there were times in my children's life where I had to go to them and say, you know, when I told you I was going to punish you, I was angry, and what I said was wrong. And I've had to ask for forgiveness and then talk to my children about what was an appropriate punishment or if a punishment was deserved at all. Sometimes, instead of a punishment, it simply required an appropriate talk, which was the discipline they needed. They didn't need punishment. They needed guidance. Now, on the other hand, we must understand that love isn't always pampering. God's love for us is not pampering. God's love instead is purifying. He works in our lives to purify us. That might mean that God has to work hard in our lives because we can be stubborn, can we not? All right, but like I said in the Proverbs, if you love a child, you're going to diligently discipline them. And again, diligent is key word because it's not just, again, it's not, not just something that we can be complacent about, all right? Discipline must be focused and put, we must put a lot of work into it as parents if we want to discipline appropriately, which then reminds me that discipline is future focused. You know, when a parent simply punishes a child for what is happening in the moment, that, tr that, that truthfully is, is not always helpful. 
In fact, many parents would attest to this fact, would you not? That, that when you did something in the moment, maybe rashly, it actually made things worse instead of better. You ever had that experience, right? It kind of kind of gets worse rather than better. But when a parent is disciplining a child, what you're doing is looking to the future. In fact, let's read some more here in Hebrews 12. Look back at verse 7. He said, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. You see, these verses continue to, to have a very positive attitude toward discipline. Even again, pointing to the fact that the Lord discipline means we are his children. And if he doesn't discipline us, then we are illegitimate children. For clarification, what the writer is trying to get across is that if we are not disciplined, then we are not cared for. Then notice how it says we appreciate a father who disciplined us. Specifically, it says we respect them. Now, let me pause for a moment for the adults in the room, which is most of us here this morning. All right. If you respected your parents for disciplining you, when did you respect them for that discipline? Later, right? You did not appreciate that in the moment or when you were young, did you? No, it's when you got older, all right, and you realized, hey, my parents disciplined me. And what you did is you looked at your life, a life being lived because your parents disciplined you, and you're looking at your peers, and you see the undisciplined lives that they are living, and you see how they're making all these mistakes, doing all these things, causing trouble in your life, that you stop and you say this, I so appreciate the way my parents raised me. Am I right? So, yeah, that's right. Amen, right? It is, right? You appreciate that later in life. It tells me, kids, I want you to hear something, all right, that you might not appreciate your parents disciplining you right now, but you, you need to appreciate it because someday you will. In fact, the fact that adults appreciate discipline even later in life just reminds us to understand that discipline is future-focused. As a parent, you are not consumed so much if your child even likes you in the moment, but you are concerned where they're going to end up in the future. As this says, you discipline them for their good. Ultimately, you want them to share in God's holiness. In part, we know we will fully share in God's holiness in heaven someday, which should help us understand that what we are looking at towards kids who walk, we want them walking in the ways of God. Therefore, if in the moment you're not their friend, it is okay because there is a bigger purpose that must be accomplished than being their friend. I even like what I read by one writer who reminded me that discipline is not retributive, but it instead it is redemptive. In other words, discipline is not just giving a child what you think they deserve for a wrong action, which would be retributive, but it is rather redemptive trying to figure out even how a wrong action can be redeemed for good. Consider the fact that most wrong actions have their natural consequences, do they not? Right? I mean, if a child lies, the natural consequence is they lose the trust of the one they lied to, right? Yes, which again reminds me, kids, you should never lie to your parents and lose their trust. Let me say this. It's even better as a child, if you do something wrong, to tell the truth and to get in trouble for it than to lie. All right? It's always better because you never want to lose a parent's trust, all right? A teenager who speeds gets a ticket, they've already suffered a consequence, right? Have they not? 
they, they will, if you make them pay the fine or go to court or whatever they have to do, right? Don't take their punishment away from them, all right? Make them do that, all right? There can be many things that happen that carries their natural consequences. Therefore, a parent needs to consider most of the time not what additional consequences can I add, but how do I redeem what has already been done? How can I use this moment to teach my child? How can I use this moment to help my child understand a better way? Discipline used properly looks to the future and says, how does my child recover from a mistake and how do we keep it from happening again? A parent should be more concerned about their child's future than the past or presence. If they made a mistake, they cannot go back and undo what's been done, but they can look to the future and do things differently. Think about how this works in our spiritual lives with God. Most of us are probably familiar with the verse in Romans 6.23 that says, the wages of sin is death, right? Y'all know that, right? In fact, that confirms what I said a few moments ago. Sin has its own natural causes. Some of those consequences are immediately seen. Others are hard to ever see. But clearly what we know is when sin comes, something dies. Trust dies. Relationships dies. Our internal peace dies. Finances dies. Something dies when a person sins. Ultimately, sin has caused our spiritual death. And God doesn't have to punish us for our sin because of the natural consequences. Therefore, what God seeks to do is to redeem us from our sin. Because in Romans 6, 23, where it says, for the wage of the sin is death, it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, God, through Jesus Christ, looks to the future, wanting us all to experience his holiness and therefore offers all who will receive it forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. He truly redeems. Therefore, as a parent, our discipline needs to look to the future, focus looking to redeem our children from lives that are marred by sin. We need to do this because let me remind you what I said about three weeks ago. You don't have to teach them to sin. That comes naturally, right? And they're going to suffer for many of those things. Therefore, what we need to do is point them to their hope of redemption, which really takes me to my next point about discipline, which is this. Discipline's goal is righteousness and not conformity. In fact, look at the next verse here in Hebrews 12, verse 11. He says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields, look at this, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, when I read these verses, I'm drawn to the phrase, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Even though I don't really know really what that is, whatever it is, it sounds like something I desire, right? Peaceful fruit. I want to live in peace and I want to be at peace. I also want my children to live in peace and be at peace. Therefore, I want peaceful fruit in life. I want my kids to have the ability to live in peace in the world. But notice this fruit comes from righteousness. As one lives a righteous life, they bear peaceful fruit. That should be our goal of any discipline is to help our children understand how to live a life that is acceptable to God, a righteous life so they experience the fruit of peace. If you just have a child that conforms in a moment, that doesn't mean that they are going to live right in the future. That is why I say conformity is not the goal. You know what? We can often get a child to do what we want in a moment, can we not? I, get, I bet if you threaten a child enough or say, I'm going to do this to you enough, all right, you can get them to do what they want in the moment, can you not? But what you want is not in the moment. What you're looking for is to the future. You don't want just conformity here and now. You, you want to train them from righteous. You want to look and say, I'm not just wanting you to do what I want right now. I want you to understand God has a plan. God has righteousness, and I want you to live for him. 
Now, it's important to note here that this verse mentions that discipline in the moment can seem painful rather than pleasant, and that's true. Think as a parent, wouldn't it be easier if you didn't care what your child did and so you just let them do their own thing? All the parents are doing this. Yeah, that'd be a whole lot easier. But as we noted earlier, the problem with that is their tendency is to go in the wrong direction, so we don't want that. Therefore, since we don't want our kids to go the wrong direction, we seek to discipline, and so it can be hard and it can be unpleasant. Children need to know that a parent who takes the time to discipline correctly doesn't necessarily enjoy it, but loves enough to help guide their children in the right direction. I also understand for a child, it would be easier for a parent to just let them do their own thing. But again, since the natural tendency is to do the wrong thing, a child should long for a parent who gives them proper discipline and guides them in a better way, even if that means it's hard or difficult. Discipline should be something that a child longs for. That is why earlier I said children who respect their parents are those who become adults and look back and see the benefits of parents who guided them to righteousness. They realize how much they gained and how little, really nothing, that they lost. Now, if you're going to reach the goal of righteousness, parents have to understand that discipline involves both actions and words. Okay? Look back at verse 5. And it says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline, okay, that's the actions of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved, that's the words by him. To make this very practical for parents, I'm going to say this. This is what you need, you ready? You need both clear expectations and clear consequences. Too, too often what I see is parents punishing the children for things the children didn't know was wrong. If there hasn't been clear expectations, how can you blame a child for doing something the parents considered wrong? I've shared before, but I still remember when I was in middle school, I believe it was, coming home from school, and what I did was I came home, and, and I told my mom a joke. This joke I thought was funny, and I thought this joke was funny not because I understood the joke because honestly, I didn't understand the joke, but I heard the joke at school and when the one classmate told it, all the others laughed. So I thought it has to be funny, right? And so I went home and said, mom, I'm gonna tell you a funny joke. I heard at school today and I told this joke and I knew something was wrong when I saw the look on my mom's face. And I realized, oh, I don't know what I'm saying here. And obviously it wasn't wrong. And here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a mom who looked at me and realized I did not know what I was doing. And I did not know that what I said was wrong. And my mom didn't get angry. My mom didn't yell. My mom didn't punish me. My mom just simply took a moment to say, son, let me tell you something. That's not appropriate. We don't say that in this house. It's not something that is right for you to say. And I'll say this later on. When I learned what I said, I was very embarrassed. Okay. But again, I appreciated. I did not know the expectation. I did not know at that moment that was wrong. And what did my mom do? She took the moment. Instead of giving me consequences, she said, let me teach you, all right? But here's what we know, all right? We have to have our expectations, and we have to have consequences. If children are going to know the expectation, the parents, you have to verbalize them. You have to speak them. You have to teach them and let them know the expectation. This is, in fact, probably a good place to remind parents that you have to be teaching your children ultimately the expectations of the Lord. Remember, it's his word that's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, right? It's his word that gives us the right direction. And so parents, you just have to let kids know what his standards are. Don't just have standards that your kids have to ask. Where did this come from? You should be able to point them to God and say, this is what the Lord expects to us and speak those things to them. Teach them clearly the mind of God. Teach them his expectations. The Lord in his word often reproved his people. 
He told them when they did wrong, but he also let them know the expectations. Parents need to do the same, pointing them to God. With his parents, you need to lay out the consequences. Because in fact, if you read the Bible, God often looked at his people and said, if you do this, then here's the consequence. Too often in the scriptures, we see God's people fail to do what God said, and they suffer the consequences because of it. But let's remember, if God administers a consequence, the ultimate goal was to call his people back to him. What he wanted from the consequences was the people to repent of their own and do right. God never set a consequence without a purpose because God's goal wasn't just to punish, but to discipline. It was to train his people, and parents need to do the same. You speak both the expectation and then you speak the consequence. And parents, you must then be willing to administer the consequence when appropriate. When an expectation has been spoken and a consequence for failing to meet the expectation has been given, if the expectation is not met, the consequence must be given. If not, you teach your child that disobedience is okay and they can do whatever they want. And you are not disciplining, you are contributing to their lack of discipline. I mean, don't be this parent who likes to make threats and never carry them out. Don't ever look at your child and say, if you don't take out the trash, we're not going to go to the movies tonight like we said we were, and then them not take out the trash and go to the movies anyway just because you wanted to go. All right? It's not the way it works. Sometimes, parents, you even have to suffer with your child, right? You've got to sometimes, again, do things you don't want to do or not get to do things you want to do because that's what the moment required. And can I say this? All right. Don't ever, don't ever make a threat as a parent that you won't carry out. Don't ever want to be these parents that says, if you don't stop, I'm going to ground you for two months. You're never going to ground your child for two months. So why make that threat? Okay. If you make a threat of any kind, all right, and you don't carry through, you're teaching them. They're not serious about what they say. I can do whatever I want because they're not going to carry out that kind. And you're teaching them in the future that there are not consequences. Our kids don't need that. They need to understand there's consequences, all right? When you state an expectation, follow through on the consequence of unmet expectation. You're training your child. You're helping them understand that if I do right, that is good. And if I do wrong, that is bad. And if ultimately you've pointed them to the godly principle behind the expectation, you will build in your child an understanding of what is right and wrong and mold their heart to righteousness and they will reap the peaceful fruit. I will guarantee in life there will be consequences for their actions. And so it's best that parents use appropriate consequences with their children to help mold them into adults who live righteous lives. Amen. Isn't that what you need to do? Now, here's what I need to do. I need to start moving towards an end, so let's consider what's at stake. Discipline is important because a failure to discipline will lead your child to have an undisciplined life, which can have many consequences, some of which can be impossible to recover from. I'm not going to read these verses, but the writer of Hebrews at the end of this chapter in verses 12 through 17 moves to where he mentions Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And if you know the story, you know that Esau came in from hunting one day and he was famished. And because he was hungry, he agreed to sell his birthright to his brother Jacob. Because he failed to be disciplined in the moment, he made a rash decision that he regretted the rest of his life and he couldn't go back and undo. Now, you might look at that sample and say, that that seems harmless. I mean, selling a birthright, that's not a big deal. It may not be a big deal to us, but back in that day, a birthright was a big deal. I can tell you this, Esau lived in regret for the rest of his days because it was a big deal. But let's think about some of the consequences 
when you fail to discipline your children and they live undisciplined lives. In a moment without discipline, your child chooses to follow the crowd and drink alcohol, then get behind the wheel. The result, an accident that takes a life, sometimes their lives and sometimes the life of another. In a moment without discipline, your child lets anger win and lashes out at someone either with words they cannot take back that ruins the relationship or actions that cause bodily harm. Sometimes it even results in criminal acts. In a moment without discipline, they give into their passion and they give themselves away like they never intended to. In a moment without discipline, they take something that is not rightfully theirs, ruin people's trust in them and even have legal consequences. Now, those might seem like extreme cases, but they happen more than we like to think. And though not all will suffer some of these big examples of failure to discipline your children correctly will lead them to having undisciplined lives that will lead to consequences that have lingering or lifetime effects. Therefore, parents, let's see discipline as a good thing because you can spare your children much pain and agony and instead help them live fruitful lives. Likewise, kids, Be thankful for a parent who disciplines you correctly and purposely because it tells you they love you and they want the best for you. They want you to have a fruitful life. Now, one last thing before we close. What we know is this. Jesus is the only one who ever lived a completely disciplined life. Is that right? He was tempted in every way we are, but he was without sin. He is the example that we are to look to as we wonder, I mean, how am I supposed to live? Hebrews 12 begins by pointing us to Jesus telling us to look to him. Look what it says in verses three and four. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. These verses tell us to consider the fact that Jesus continued to live a disciplined life before God the Father, doing what was righteous, even though he still suffered for it. And if Jesus can live righteously, even when treated so unfairly, then you should be able to live disciplined lives and not give up. The writer goes on to remind us that we we are not Jesus. We haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding our own blood, which is really just a reminder of this, that ultimately Jesus has taken the punishment for all sin. I mean, that's good news, is it not? Because it reminds us that if we are experiencing what we think is discipline from the Lord, hear me, it's not punishment. Because Jesus already took the punishment for us. God may let us suffer, and he may let suffering come into our life, and if so, it is there to train us, to discipline us, not to punish us. Remember that same purpose should be the motivation for us as parents, discipline. It is comforting to know that, again, we don't have to have suffering, or we don't have to suffer punishment from the hands of God, because maybe this, maybe you've lived an undisciplined life and you're suffering for it. The good news is that what God wants to do is to forgive you and give you eternal life. What he wants to do is redeem you from your failure. Even if the natural consequence of sin continues in your life, he wants to offer to you the hope of eternal life. And he can do that because Jesus already took your punishment for you. And if you've given your life to Jesus, he can redeem you from your greatest of failures. And that can be freeing, all right? And it can also be motivating. It frees us from the guilt that we have and motivates us to live a disciplined life for Jesus. And I say, look to the Lord. And if you're experiencing his discipline today, no, he only has one purpose, all right? It's to train you for the future because he loves you and because he cares. Now, parents, here's what I hope. I hope you understand that discipline is meant to be a positive thing. Don't let it be seen as negative. Use it correctly to train your child in godliness. Children receive proper discipline from your parents as a loving act it is. 
You may not appreciate it now, but if you will learn what your parents are trying to teach you, you will benefit in the long run. Likewise, for both parents and kids, if you are being disciplined by God, know that he loves you. And he too is working that you might live a godly life through faith in Jesus Christ. So put your trust in him and do his will. If God is not your father this morning, though, do this. In these next moments, I invite you to come and let God become your father, become his child, become his son, become his daughter. Give your life to him because he truly does love you today. You understand that this morning? Let's live disciplined lives before the father who loves us. And let us discipline correctly, all right, in view of this God who loves us. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we come this morning, we come before you, once again, just humbled in your sight, but thankful. Thankful that you're a God who loves us as a heavenly Father with a love that is amazing. And I thank you, Father, that you even discipline us for our good, that you don't let us go our own way. Lord, you point us in the right direction and you show us the way that we need to go. So help us this morning to receive your discipline and to walk in your way. And then help us as parents, Lord, to discipline our children correctly as we point them to you. And as as children, help us to receive our parents' discipline in a healthy way. Again, that ultimately is pointing us to you. And so, Father, today in this moment, just speak to our hearts. Because I don't know what needs to happen. Maybe some this morning need to bow before you just to come and thank you for being that loving Heavenly Father. Maybe some need to come this morning because they need your forgiveness because they have failed. May they come and bring that before you and be redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And again, if there's one here today that does not call you Father this morning, they're not your son, they're not your daughter, I pray this is a morning indeed. They come into your family and call you their Father for the first time. And know what it means to truly be loved by you. So, Father, move in this invitation, I pray. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.